0: Ben, I've had enough, mate. I'm leaving. What do you mean you're leaving? I refuse to stay here any longer.
1: Stay where?
0: No, don't try and stop me. My pixel vision days are done. Adio. Ah! <laughs> I told you I'm leaving.
1: Oh, you're trying to quit the podcast.
0: This is the last you'll see of me.
1: Well, if you say so. Back already?
0: Ugh, why can't I leave? What sorcery is this? Pixel Vision is more
1: than a podcast, boy. It's an ancient pact. Fate has decreed. Every three weeks, you will play a game, and we will talk about it.
0: Now and for all eternity. I don't believe in fate. I refuse to submit. And it'll start... No. When I say the words, don't say it.
1: I'm not Teo. I'm Ben. And I'm not Ben. I'm Teo. And this is Pixel, Pixel Vision. Anyway, Hades. Yeah? If ever there was a game to give you pixel vision, it's this one, am I right?
0: Yeah, you are absolutely right. Like, last night, because of course we play the game for the podcast and then we swiftly move on to the next game, so it's sort of like once you've finished, you don't really get a chance to go back to it. And a game like this, it's one of those just one more run games. And last night I started playing it at my usual hour, sort of started at about... played a few runs, I was like, I should probably go to bed now, but this is the last time, this is the last time I'll probably have a play, so I went for another run, and like, then I ended up getting into bed at 12.30, but yeah, I felt quite sad that I wouldn't be going back to it.
1: And the moment of truth
0: for everyone
1: is, did you battle your way out of the underworld? I
0: did, I
1: did battle my way out of the underworld. Did you? Fully out of the way, or not quite fully? Yeah, not once, but twice. Really? Mm-hmm. Nice work. Well we'll get on to that. Actually wait, just before we do, how many escape attempts did you have? I checked last night, I think it was either thirty seven or thirty eight. Okay, cool. Well wow, that is a good effort on the gameplay. I feel like you've
0: probably played this game more than a lot of the other games we've played based on that figure alone. <laughs> well I think it was about twenty five hours in the end. So yeah, but like probably was actually the one I played the most.
1: Well, we should jump into the uh, tale monologues. feel like our listeners are like, escape attempts? Underworlds? What's going on?
0: What is going on? Few tales are told of Hades, whose very name inspires fear and penitence,
1: reminding us of the inevitable fate which we all share. I,
0: however, mean to tell you such a tale. Listen carefully. Hades, it's a rogue light, I'm going to say, from Supergiant Games, the makers of Bastion, Transistor, and Pyre. And you play as Zagreus, son of Hades, in a Greek mythological setting, and you're escaping the underworld. You don't want to be in your father's realm anymore. You want to make it to the surface and get the hell out of there. So yeah, that's the story. You meet all of the Greek gods, the Chthonic gods, and the Olympians along the way. And you battle out through, well, I, I don't know if I'll spoil how many areas there are, but like a number of the levels of hell, starting with Tartarus. And you have six different weapons. You choose a weapon on each run. Along the way, the Olympians, who are trying to help you get out, grant you boons that customize your escape attempt. So every escape attempt is different. And I think the thing that makes it addictive and compelling is all the different little combinations of those boons that you can make. It feels like a slot machine because even if it's the same boom you've used before, it can be of increased rarity and you can get certain combinations of particularly rare ones that make it feel like this time, this time I'm gonna be able to do it. Like I've got just the right combination. So yeah, it's, it's that. And uh, if you die, you go back to the start in a traditional roguelite way and there's a
1: ton of collectibles aren't there that that mean that kind of when you do go back to the start you can upgrade yourself and then you're a lot stronger on your subsequent run in theory
0: yeah that's a really good point so that's what makes it a roguelike I guess not a rogue normal rogue we'll probably get on to the definitions
1: <laughs> we are gonna because i'm so glad you started doing
0: that straight off the back of your monologue i was gonna be like right let's delve into this rogue-like like business although when you die you go back to the beginning and it's a new run it's a, a fresh run uh, there is persistent progress for your character so you collect darkness on each run which you use to upgrade your skills so even if you're a terrible player Hopefully, eventually you will just become so strong that it's inevitable you will finish the game eventually.
1: Yeah, and if you don't because of inability or because of time constraints, they are generous enough to implement a little god mode, which you can turn on in the settings. Did you know that? Oh really? No, I didn't notice that. Found that early on. You'll be proud to know I didn't turn it on. That would have been a cop out. (laughs) But I was tempted today when we were coming up to the uh, recording and for the same reason you were, I was really cramming, like, I really just want to play a bit more before we do. So I was tempted then to turn on god mode, but I decided not to, because I felt like it would have been just failing, really, wouldn't it?
0: I don't know, because the story, because an element which I didn't mention was the story. So most games like this, you're just going on run after run after run and it's the game itself which is addictive. And this game, like the gameplay is addictive. I hate using a lot gameplay, but there it is. But along the way, there are all these characters which you can interact with, and each time you die, you get a new little snippet of story from each of them, like new dialogue options. No, um, not really dialogue options, it's just they say something new each time, which is a really nice touch, I thought. Yeah, that is nice. Whether it's enough to keep the variety super fresh, I'm
1: not totally convinced by. But certainly mm. to begin with, when it's hard to know what to expect from the game like how much narrative there's going to be how much incremental development you're going to get between each run all those kind of things i was really attentive to what everyone was saying what their dialogue was anyone with an exclamation mark i was obviously running over to interview Hmm. (laughs) and largely after sort of run 20 i think i got to about 27 something like that the themes are the same they don't really say anything new each time it's new linguistically sure it's new syntax it's a new sentence but like the actual content of what they're saying is by and
0: large the same isn't it yeah i mean each character plays their role i suppose so you have like achilles who's your teacher and your master who gives you nuggets of wisdom keep at it lad i've known great men throughout my life and i can always tell when someone's better than their circumstances and uh, Megara, who is the first boss, but she also hangs out in the lounge. In the God underworld. damn, I hated Megara. <laughs> yeah. oh,
1: she's the worst of all the bosses.
0: <laughs> but she's there, kind of smarmy and sarcastic in the lounge, being like, if you killed her, she'd be like, I'll get you next time, Zagreus. Uh I can't believe you beat me out there, sort of thing, (laughs) isn't she? Maybe my whip might make you reconsider whatever it is that you're attempting here. The last one that comes to mind is Hypno, the god of sleep. Hypnos, yeah. Hypnos, sorry, yeah. Who reads to you, like, why you died. Yeah. As you come in, he's like, oh man, one of those things got you, yeah. (laughs) I kind of like him. Oh, wow, so Megara herself got you last time. That must have been intense.
1: They are characterful characters in caricature as well. (laughs) There is a definite sense that there's this sort of teen angst in this underworld. Zagreus himself is very much the rebellious teen who's fed up with his dad, fed up with being told what to do, has some sort of background mystery about who is his real mother... We should get on spoilers in a second, whether we're gonna do them, et cetera. But yeah, he's certainly concerned about figuring out his backstory. As you are, as the player, that's kind of the MacGuffin, I guess, that you're sort of chasing the whole way through. But then, like you say, McGera is also got that sort of sassy yeah. she's the girl you grew up with almost and you've got this uh buddy relationship where she quips at you and you're sort of being snarky with one another mm. but also when you both end up in the house you're very much like brother and sister really aren't you you are yeah although i presume that's not your actual relationship because she's got two actual sisters hey listeners ben here Just a quick aside, since learned that there's actually a romance scene between Zagreus and Megara, so that would be weird if we didn't acknowledge that and just said they're brother and sister. Quick update for you, back to the pod. Anyway, so there's very much a sort of tongue in cheek teenage vibe about it, I thought.
0: Yeah, and it contrasts with the sort of grandness of the Greek mythology, for sure.
1: Yeah. Big time.
0: Because they do dip into Greek mythology pretty heavily. Like, you have every god and more. It feels like represented. Certainly everyone that I know of. And you are a great classicist, aren't you? So All your favourites. Zeus. Dionysus. <laughs> <laughs> Athena. <laughs> uh, and they're really diverse as well. So it's, it's quite cool how they've gone for... Well, because the Greek pantheon represents the world. Like, the gods of the Greek pantheon rule over the world. So they're taken from a really diverse range of backgrounds, as in like nationalities, ethnicities, whatever, whatever. It's just a really nice touch. There's nothing made of that. It's just like, oh, cool, this is a load of good characters. Yeah, yeah, totally. Who are also gods. But they
1: do sort of utilise their stereotypes of each of those gods. Well, they're not really stereotypes, they are just the types that they are. So like Aphrodite is very much your saucy, like, love, (laughs) quite busty avatar that appears when she talks well yeah
0: like she literally just has her hair covering her boobs kind of thing
1: yeah exactly i wasn't picking her
0: for any particular reason that was just at random yeah Dionysus, like god of wine or whatever exactly. it's just like hey man zag how's it going what's going on here
1: hey there zag man how's it going look you have got to get here with the rest of us already we've been saving you a spot Let me see what I can do. Make life a little sweeter for you in the meantime. Yeah, and actually, this approach to humour, well done, kind of arguably more successfully here, is quite Borderlands, I think. Do you remember Borderlands where you've got, like, Claptrap and every character you meet has, like, a really extreme accent and a really extreme character, which is apparent from the off as soon as you meet them.
0: I am a CL4P TP stewardbot, but my friends call me Claptrap. Or they would, if any of them were still alive, or had existed in the first place.
1: And then that becomes a bit tired as you play Borderlands, because you're constantly going through them. Whereas these guys show up fairly erratically, and almost, well, and totally at random, I guess. Mm. because it's procedurally
0: generated dungeon mm-hmm. which did we talk about i can't remember no but it kind of goes without saying in this genre of game
1: that's true yeah and so i would say that the humor is a bit more successful than in borderlands but it's very much the same sort of trying to be funny and it feels like it's trying to be funny and it's not that funny
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think it ever made me laugh particularly like you get a lot of the gods kind of digging at each other and like they're not the best of friends and oh what a family we are kind of thing because a lot of of the gods are related but you're Hades' son but Poseidon's your uncle and Zeus is your uncle but Megara is not your
1: sister just to be 100% clear it's the kind of dialogue that you get in the Avengers between the Avengers isn't it in the Marvel movies Thor report on the Hulk the gates of hell are filled with the screams of his victims but not the screams of the dead, of course. No, no, uh, wounded screams, mainly
0: whimpering, a uh, great deal of complaining, and tales of sprained deltoids and, and, uh, and gout. The reason it works and doesn't great is because, as you say, the dialogue is so sparse. Like, you'll go through a run and you'll hear each god speak a few times. So it's never front-loaded or just like poured onto you in a way that you have to listen to loads of it at once. It's like a god on a run gives you a boon, and then you listen to a bit of their dialogue furthers their sort of character development for what it is and then you move on so yeah I think it, it in context it, it works quite well. You travelled rather far down there since last we met my kid and that means you have dealt
1: incalculable death. I must commend you thus. One of the things I did like is that as part of their kooky dialogue one of the guys Skelly, the training guy who you kill repeatedly is just a skeleton mm-hmm. and like offers you nuggets of wisdom, which are usually belated and you've discovered them for yourself. But anyway, uh, he says at one stage, beware the glowing bozos. And that's not a term you hear often. And immediately it reminded me of uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia when Mac constantly uses the term bozo. It's just like <laughs> such an iconic word to that TV mm. show which, if you haven't seen, 100% should watch. Exactly. <laughs> All
0: right, Bozo, thank you. I'm calling a lot of people Bozo now. Oh, it's like dude, my new thing. Dude. All right, yeah? so, chomp into it. Just bite it? Yeah. Gypsy son of a bitch burned us. Excuse me, sir. What are you doing to my friend, Bozo?
1: I like that they popularised that term, boon. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's not one you hear very often, but it's... Is perfect for this and like everyone talks about buffs in games don't they? I assume because of like World of Warcraft. That is true yeah. Did World of Warcraft popularize buffs? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But in general we talk about buffs and debuffs whereas in this it's boons and I don't know what the account is penalties? D-boons yeah I don't know. (laughs) D-boons. But there aren't that many D-boons to be fair I guess chaos there's this god chaos there's a portal appears in each chamber not every chamber but sometimes and you descend optionally to meet chaos in the under underworld Mm. and that immediately deducts a chunk of your health as like a penalty for visiting him yeah yeah. and then he usually will say or she don't know gender they will usually say for the next four encounters you're going to really struggle because of this penalty we're going to give you so for instance every time you use your attack button you're going to lose three health Mm. but After those four encounters, your attack's going to be worth plus 70% damage or something. Yeah. So it's about balancing, am I going to be able to manage that for the next few encounters? And certainly early in the game, that's a lot more feasible. Towards the end game, every time one of those chaos gates opened, I was like, should I go in there or am I being really dangerous and risky right now?
0: Yeah. It's a really, a nice little risk rewards mechanic, that, because, I mean, you don't, obviously don't want to do it too close to a boss, because it would make the boss really hard if you had that deboon on you. <laughs>
1: We're going with that. It's going in the lexicon of the show now, a deboon.
0: But yeah, but on the other hand, you think, well, I might not get another chance to get a chaos boon, and I'm struggling to complete the game, so, like, can I afford not to go down to the game? So yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the little chaos gates.
1: Yeah. And the way those boons appear as well, which I don't think you mentioned, is they're kind of just like a bubble with an icon in that represents the god. So like Zeus is a lightning strike, Aphrodite is a heart. Can you give me some others? I'm I'm clutching. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, Poseidon's probably a trident, if I actually remember. Yeah,
1: there were two tridents though, right? Quite annoyingly. One was blue.
0: And and one was red, red. that's Ares, yeah. I guess his is more of a tri-spear. A fork. That's a fork! (laughs) in other words a fork yeah Yeah, and i mean we might as well clarify like the way in which you try and reach the surface through these areas are just through a series of rooms and after each room you get given a reward so it might be a boon from a god or it might be extra health or money or something which will help you along your way yeah
1: but you always start with one boon. you do yeah right at the beginning as soon as you leave the house you get a given one and that's random but that can kind of shape your gameplay so for instance When I was playing with the apocryphal rail, is that what it's called? Uh, Yeah,
0: this sort of, yeah, kind of machine gun one, yeah.
1: That was my favoured weapon, for sure. Was it?
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: big time. And uh, once I started playing with that, if my very first boon was an advantage for my special attack, then pretty much every subsequent one I would go for would be to augment that attack. Mm. Whereas if it was for my main attack, then I would obviously favour that in subsequent boons. And those kind of things, I definitely think, become relevant.
0: Yeah. So your options in your arsenal, so uh, we've mentioned that you choose a weapon, but then on each weapon you have a special attack, a normal attack, a cast, which remains constant whatever weapon you're on, um, and a dash. So those four, I guess, styles of combat mechanics work together.
1: And later you get a fifth one called call, which is like when you you call on the gods to assist you and they give you a advantage in the battle for like a couple of seconds
0: but yeah in terms of the way those four abilities interact you're always going to be using your dash but the other three like you say it depends on what boons you get and i was exactly the same as you like if i got a boon which increased the strength of my attack or my special i'd double down on that attack and i wouldn't really use the other one as much there weren't too many runs where i was using both at the same time or that they were synergist in any way
1: yeah, the game's balanced quite well, though, in, like, you might be listening to that thinking, oh, well, if the dash is constant throughout, then you could always just augment the dash, because you'll always be using that and using it a lot. But all of the boons that affect the dash hardly affect it. Like, they give it a little bit of a damage boost and allow it to deflect or generate weakness or something. Yeah. But, like, quite trivial relative to the maybe 300% damage increase you'll get on a special attack or something like that. Mm. Yeah, exactly. One of the other things the game does is it um, utilises that tried and tested tier system of coloured upgrades. So you've got your white, which is basic. I don't even know why I'm listing them now. But you you don't have green, (laughs) but you do have blue and then purple and then legendary, which they call heroic, which is actually red. And quite nicely, I've said that you don't get green, but you do get green. It's called duo, and it's when two of the gods pair up and give you a like, combined boon.
0: Yeah, and they were, they're were they very rare indeed. I only saw maybe five of those yeah. over the entire length of the game. And uh, like, There's um, an item that you purchased quite early on called, I think, the Scroll of Minor Prophecies, which is almost like a checklist of things you can do in the game. And one of them is, be granted all of the duo boons. So you get to see the names of all of them.
1: Yeah. That's something you unlock quite early, but in general, everything in the game, the whole structure of the game is designed around the loot box mentality of everything being unlocked, right? Everything's unlocked. You have to do something X amount of times. Once you've done it that many times, that gets unlocked. Even the codex. So like when you're playing through, you'll encounter an enemy. That'll unlock a bit of a description about the enemy, but not much. And then when you've fought them 30 more times, actually Hollow Knight does this as well. When you've fought them like... X number of more times, then it'll unlock a little bit more description. And in general, I actually really like that approach. But what I don't love about this codex, and I think it was the same in Hollow Knight as well, is that they don't really tell you anything about the creatures. They're just kind of like a little bit of description to maybe flesh out the idea of the creature. But it doesn't say these are its weaknesses, these are its strengths, this is how it's going to attack you. Do you know what I mean? Like the things that traditionally a codex is useful for, which means that then the codex is just like, are you really interested in the law? And if you are, well, you can read a
0: few more paragraphs here. But if you're not, irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's exactly true. It doesn't give you any greater ability. Like sometimes in games, in codexes like that, not only will it give you lore, but the more you manage to defeat a creature the better actually your stats get at fighting it like you do a little bit more bonus damage against that creature because you fought it times. something like that maybe would have been nice but yeah as you say there's none of that but what i did appreciate because i don't always love like trawling through the law and i did in this but that's because it didn't add loads and loads and loads it's literally like a sentence at a time up to a few sentences it's not like paragraphs and paragraphs of law
1: yeah that's true but i just found it
0: in the same way as the dialogue by the sort of
1: 25th 26th run I was kind of scanning and skipping through because I was seeing if there were any key storylines developed mm. but I could tell that at a glance and if not I was just like a hey, 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 next next run kind of thing
0: yeah but there were some storylines between the characters that didn't just involve you and we'll get on to Zagoras's storyline a bit later I suppose but for instance Achilles and Orpheus the court musician they both have love interests out in the underworld and you pass them and meet them and and send them messages over and over again. And obviously the process by which you're able to send them a message is by, like, dying and coming back and speaking to them again and then going through, finding them dying and coming back. So I thought there was something quite good about that. I can't really put my finger on what it was. I don't think I encountered that.
1: Huh. How early on is that? Because I knew that, like, I think one of them's references a love interest, but I haven't encountered... I certainly haven't been sending messages to and fro between inside the dungeon and outside
0: yeah the first one is um Euricidae. can't pronounce her name but she's the one who gives you some food when you're in uh Ephesus yeah yeah and she's like singing and stuff and she's singing yeah so she's kind of Orpheus's love interest and if you speak to her she mentions Orpheus and then you'll go you'll die and speak to Orpheus Well, whenever I spoke with her she was just like do you want one of these three boons? really pretty much and I was like yeah thanks very much see you later (laughs) no no eventually you do get some story out of her and like you speak to Orpheus and he's like oh uh, please don't uh, mention me to her and then you're like "Mm, Orpheus kind of said don't mention him but I can tell he still really likes you kind of thing right okay (laughs) and it's the same with Achilles and Patroclus I think okay who's the person that helps you in Elysium the third level yeah you get a whole load of backstory between their love interest as well which is nice. Wait, a person who helps you in Elysium? In Elysium? What? Did you not find him? What was his name? Patroclus, I think. I don't think I encountered him either. Really? Oh. Which is weird, because I, I
1: also battled out, so I didn't manage to... Oh, this
0: is going to be a spoiler. Shall I wait? <laughs> um. To be honest, it's not much of a spoiler. Like What this game does, which I've never seen a roguelike game do, so... Can you hear that car alarm outside? I can hear that car alarm outside. Well, we should probably wait until the car alarm stops. Yeah, we should. Okay. All right. So you're saying what this game does, what this game does is a roguelite, which I don't think I've seen before, is effectively tell a story that fits in the roguelite format. So we've talked already that it's set in ancient Greece and it feels like a Greek myth. Like you can imagine that. I had a little look. I don't usually have a Google around, but I had a look at who Zagreus was in mythology and that sort of thing. They've embellished this story completely. Like, nice, it, getting your research in.
1: Yeah, listeners, do you, are you hearing this? <laughs> A lot <laughs> of work goes into this show. A lot of work. <laughs> you
0: can probably tell. I did read the Wikipedia page. And as far as I could tell, there is no basis in actual like history for the myth which this game, Hades, is telling. However as a made-up myth, or a modern made-up myth, it works quite well. Like, you can imagine it, like, the son of Hades constantly tries to battle out of the underworld, but never manages to escape, and it goes on over and over again, like, I don't know, Prometheus getting his liver eaten out by that bird every day. So, in that sense, I thought it was so effective at marrying up its gameplay mechanics with the story.
1: Yeah, that's totally true. That is totally true, I'll give you that. Um, But I think... It helps that there isn't much story. Like, you've summarised it there pretty neatly, and that's it. I mean, the reason why I think we are pretty safe to give spoilers is because unless you really care about in what order you fight people in this game and who you're fighting in this game, then more or less anything we say
0: isn't really a spoiler. And the only kind of minor spoiler, and it happens maybe like the first five or six runs, is initially you just want to escape because you're an angsty teenage son of Hades but then you find out that you think that your mum is the goddess of night Nyx who's helping you but actually your mother has never been in well you've never met her and she's on the surface so then it becomes a quest to find your mum on the surface
1: yeah exactly and we can avoid saying a name maybe if that would help but I really want to say it now
0: <laughs> I can say it people don't mind I mean like I think we've had enough Spoiler warnings that like people have got a good idea for the game from what we've said so far, so I think go for it.
1: And I also, I'm not just saying this because I want you to keep listening, but I do want you to keep listening. Uh, but I also just genuinely don't think that this would impair your enjoyment of the game. Like some games, Last of Us or something, if you're playing it and someone tells you a spoiler, it can ruin it. It can ruin the game. Whereas with this, honestly, this just doesn't make a difference. So his mum's called... Persephone? is that right yep is that how you pronounce it yeah that's right in that case i will also say what i was saying before as well which is i battled through to the end through the there are like three initial zones then you get to a fourth after your elysium so it goes tartarus Asphocles, is it as- yeah something like that
0: no it's asphodel not all so easy are they
1: elysium elysium and then stick the temple of sticks yeah and once you get out of the Temple of Sticks, you're technically out of the Underworld, but you're in this like snowy environment, and right there is Hades, <laughs> your dad, and he's like, you're not going anywhere, kind of thing, which is what we were riffing on at the beginning, and uh, he sends you <laughs> right back to where you started, if you're like me, and unable to defeat him on your first attempt. Yeah, I didn't get past him, so I am curious, what happens
0: when you do, Teo? Oh, wow. I never thought I'd be in the position of saying to you what happens. <laughs> I
1: also never thought you'd be in that position.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you finish a game. Hades, I mean, he's very, very difficult, especially the second stage of his boss. It does that really annoying thing that you get his health bar all the way down, and then it goes all the way back up. A <gasps> Did you get his health bar up? down once not to full
1: zero no i got it really bloody close wow but i only actually encountered him once like i only got to him once because it's a long it's a long run to get to him you've already been playing a long time and i managed that with two death defiances and a tooth pick or whatever it's called (laughs) lucky Lucky tooth. tooth that's it yeah and so I had kind of three revivals, as it were. The Death Defiance is exactly what it sounds like. And the Lucky Tooth, for some reason, given to you by your, your mate Skelly. And that revives you to 100 health or something like that once it's fully upgraded. Mm. And with all three of those, I still only got to him once and mm. got defeated pretty quickly. Because by then I'd like used up those,
0: obviously. That's a shame that you didn't get the rage-inducing moment of Feeling like you defeated Hades and then his health bar going all the way back up again. No,
1: because you know me, and I feel like I'd have actually just been like, I'm not playing this game anymore. <laughs> You'd
0: have flipped a lid. At yeah, that point. I, would. <laughs> I was really looking forward to your reaction on that because I had that. Like, I've been messaging my friend Paul about it because he's played a lot of this game and. He kept messaging me like, have you done it yet? Have you done it yet? And I was like, "Ah, oh, almost did it this evening. Got Hades' health bar down to zero, but it went all the way back up again. And he was like, yeah, he had me like that as well. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> I was like, Especially
1: because uh... it feels like his boss battle, in comparison to some of the others, feels a bit more strategic. Like it's quite clear what's going on. So mm. you feel like you can actually manage it. Absolutely. So I was a bit annoyed when he did manage to kill me in that battle because I felt like I'd been able to identify quite quickly what his attacks were and how to defend them. But in some of the earlier battles, in fact, I was going to say this anyway, like right at the beginning when I said this is a game that gives you pixel vision more than any other, in part that's because of like the flashing lights, the really striking aesthetic, super repetitive gameplay. And in some of the battles, that essentially amounts to you not really having a clue what the fuck is going on on your screen. It's like half the time I'm wondering where my character is amidst all of the flashing and explosions and traps and
0: balls of fire and... God, especially on those magma levels. Yeah, I died of quite a fair few times by um, being in the magma by mistake. That magma is really difficult. But yeah, you're right. It's chaotic and it definitely does descend into button bashing at times. Especially depending on your build. I think you do develop a bit more finesse as you play on and on and on. But yeah, it does feel button bashing at times.
1: By run 37, is it? Because that is so impressive. Because basically, what I was trying to make the point a minute ago is that one run like that can take you... I don't know, but I would say close to an hour to do a full long run
0: to, to Hades. Hmm. I would say that's slow. The one that I completed it was 35 minutes. That's the first time I completed it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe it's not quite
1: as bad as I thought. But still, if it, let's assume it's 30 minutes then as, like a, as just an easy hmm. figure. If you're doing that 20 times and 20 escape hmm. attempts, that's a shit ton of time. Yeah. What, 40, 45 years? 40, 45, 45, years, yeah. 40 years, 45 years 40 45 years, 40, 45 years 40 45 years forty 45 years. How long have you in Canada been married? 40 years, 45 years? Oh uh, f- 40, i 40, <laughs> 40... 45 years 40, 45 years. 40, 45
0: years. I just found it really enjoyable. But yeah, back to Hades before we miss the finale. Okay, yeah, go on. So his second stage, uh, he puts all these jars down on the floor, which are traps, and you break them and they make this pool of sort of like grasping hands being like... Eah. And that alone, if you hit one of those, does 50 damage. 50 damage? Yeah, and you don't have much. Like even on a runway, or you're like getting loads of health, like you wouldn't probably have more than 200. The most I had was maybe 250, 300 health or something. But in the early stages, nowhere near that much you got like 100, 150 or something.
1: Yeah, and by the time you're actually battling him, you've usually not got that much health. Mm. Because at the end of the Temple of Sticks, there's Cerberus, the three-headed dog, who I petted every time I encountered him just in case I would encounter him later on in the game in hope that he'd treat me favorably, which I'm not sure if he does. Like, he let me go past, but I assume that's just, he does that with everyone, does he?
0: Yeah, he does that every time. We haven't even mentioned Cerberus, the three-headed dog who is meant to be guard- guards that gates of hell, but it's just your pet dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you can pet him every time you die.
1: And so the whole premise of the Temple of Styx level is you're just getting him some food to throw him some scraps to distract him while you just walk through the exit.
0: Yeah, that's quite cool. Yeah. Go on, hands. So yeah, you defeat Hades and then you walk through the snowy surface and you find your mother, Persephone. And it turns out she has no idea that you are even alive because you were born stillborn and nobody told her that you lived that essentially nyx the goddess of night managed to resurrect you but nobody let her know so she's a bit annoyed with hades but also (laughs) glad that she actually has a son after all such
1: an understatement she was a bit
0: annoyed she's miffed peeved she was (laughs) but then and you know this is coming because of the genre of the game but then you're like oh why do i feel so ill And then you're like, oh, and she's like, oh, you're born of the underworld. You can't stay on the surface. He's like, no, but I've I've still got so much you want to talk to you about, mom. And then she's like, well, you have to come back up here again, won't you? Bow your way up. (laughs) And so the cycle continues. (laughs)
1: That is a good punchline. That is a good punchline. Oh, it's such a shame I didn't manage to get there. (laughs) God damn it. I was really pleased with myself for even getting to the goddamn Hades. Because <laughs> it's a long old slog, isn't it? And it is a slog at times. Like, the reality is, there's not that much variety. Mm. You said in the last game we covered that often with a game, you're waiting to see what's new and what you have yet to experience. And that that game revealed its hand quite early and you felt you'd seen everything that it had to offer. And I definitely feel like that was the case with this game. Because even though it lets you unlock things slowly, they're basically little augments, minor changes, subtle differences. Like even the boons themselves, for instance, with that railgun thing I was using, the special could change from a sort of mortar where you'd hit wire and it would like, a rocket would fall from above to the earth to a rocket which traveled directly across the ground kind of thing. Mm. Like they're little changes like that rather than great upheavals that are going to dynamically change your experience of the game. And so, I don't know, maybe it's, it comes back to the whole binging thing because this is a very much a bingeable game. Like you said, as soon as you start playing, it's like, mm. oh, i just do a bit more. i just do a bit more. But the problem with that is after doing it for three or four hours, you're like, oh, I'm not sure I've got this in me anymore. Like, what am I doing here still?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I never, I don't think I ever binged it for, well, I don't think I ever played it for more than three hours. It was definitely a, an hour a night game, which probably, as I've said loads of times on this podcast already, probably increased its longevity for me. But aside from that, I just found it really fun to play. We said right at the beginning it's like a slot machine, and every run did feel like a slot machine for me. When the boons came up, and I got to make my choice, and I was seeing like when I got lucky with getting bigger numbers, or lucky with if I was going for a attack build, and I like so like the build I won with, for example, was sort of a kind of Zeus lightning, super lightning build. So I had like lightning on my attack, lightning when I dashed, lightning when I dodged loads of things lightning and then I got a boon which meant that lightning had a chance to strike twice on all my lightning things so pretty much half the time like every lightning thing was like striking twice I was doing so much damage on that run that was my the first one where I won I did feel like a god that feeling which you love in games of feeling like a god but it was like yes finally I feel like I'm gonna absolutely smash you Hades
1: yeah that is really cool
0: and it was just luck really that those things came up but it's the same as getting a jackpot on the run of a game, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That kind of brings me to a neat comparison Mm -hmm. of the game, an analogy, you might say. (laughs) While I did enjoy it in general, the experience of playing it was a little bit like going to Ikea, right? You go into it and you're a bit excited, you're optimistic that things are gonna be different. You're gonna get what you want, you're gonna get what you came for. You have to follow this stupid gauntlet to get around the whole thing just to get to the checkout when you know what you're there for. But you kind of enjoy the spectacle when you first go in. You're like, oh yeah, new things, over there. that's pretty cool, don't want it now, but maybe later. You go through the whole thing and somewhere around the halfway point, you're like, I've seen all this before. I've done all this before and something changes in your head and you're like, actually, now I just want to get to the exit, whether or not I get to check out with the thing I originally came here for. And I kind of had that attitude to this, like I really enjoyed it and most of the time when I went into it, I thought, right, this is what I want out of this run. Oh, I'm saving up to get another Death Defiance. I'm gonna maximize my darkness, those like gems that are purple or something, mm. to try and buy that upgrade. And I'd start and I'd be like, oh yeah, this is good, this is good. And then suddenly I'd just be like, ah, oh, this is just another chamber. When's the next boss? Like how many chambers do I think I've done? Oh, am I gonna get to the next one? And then I was like, oh, I'll probably die in the next room. And I was like, do I care? No, not really. I'm a bit bored now. Mm.
0: The Swedish robot from PikEA is here with the super collider I ordered. Enjoy your affordable Swedish crap.
1: I don't know why. I think the loot box thing just wasn't enough for me. And actually, I found it interesting that you liked it. So- I find it interesting that you like it so much because for me, it was a little bit like Walson in the fact that you're only really pressing three or four buttons. You're choosing one of a selection of six weapons. Mm. And then that's it. Just the order in which you push those buttons is all that determines the outcome
0: yeah, it did feel like there was a significantly higher skill level to me than Wilson, like it was a lot more tactile. It felt more like not as good as but more like a round of halo in terms of its skill to me. like when I felt like I was playing well in the game, that was its own reward, dashing, hitting, dodging, like all those sorts of things you 're right, like the skill ceiling is definitely not as high as that or as high as like a soul's like game or something like that. But it was still, like, tactile, and there was enough variety between the six weapons. And I chose a different weapon every time, like, I didn't focus on it. I just, each time there's, like, a chance of a bonus, darkness on a weapon. And and I just used that to, like, make my decision for me.
1: Yeah, I did the same thing, yeah.
0: It was definitely enough variety for me, for sure. But yeah, it's hard to say exactly why.
1: Again, a little bit like Ikea, I just found, like, everything about the game felt designed to keep me playing it, rather than for any particular narrative reason. It wasn't intellectually challenging. It wasn't interesting, really, beyond the sort of, oh, this is a god I hadn't heard of before or something. There's no sort of broader narrative, no great plot, all those kind of things that normally you associate with a great game or a game that kind of hooks you to coming back. Mm. Those things weren't really there with this. Instead, it was that gambling, all about levelling up, getting stronger, What I actually thought is if this was a game on the Switch, which I've since learned it is, but I'd already bought it. God damn it. Uh, If this was a game on the Switch, it would be perfect. It's like the perfect Switch game. Like If I was on a train, if I was on a bus, if I was on a ludicrously long plane journey, any form of travel, in fact, (laughs) where I'm not driving, (laughs) then I would happily sit there and play this for the duration because it's got that mind-numbing, repetitive but soothing Mm. thing about it. And I would enjoy that. But when I'm sat here thinking, there are a number of other things I could be doing, a number of other games I could be playing, then it becomes harder to convince myself that this is really
0: worthy of my time.
1: We're not worthy! We're not worthy! We're not worthy! We're
0: not... Yeah, that is fair, and it's it's a judgment call we often make when we're playing games, like, ah, is this good enough for me to spend time doing it? I mean, you can already tell, for me, I already think it was.
1: Yeah. I wish I'd had that moment that you did with Hades, because another thing I thought is that there weren't any moments in it that really shone, that I really thought, like, oh, man, I, I can't wait to tell someone about that, like, when this just happened. Or, like, an experience that I had that I just thought, oh, my God, my heart rate quickened or something like that.
0: Oh, man, yeah.
1: Whereas I feel like for you just then, just when you talked about that, the excitement in your voice was clear indication that that was a moment like that?
0: Mate, my my heart, because I'd already, I think I beat Hades the sixth time that I got to him. And once I got his health low on the second stage, my heart was absolutely (laughs) pounding. Like, it was, it was really, really exciting. And I definitely wouldn't be able to maintain that, like, I maybe would have liked to defeat him once more, maybe, and then I'd probably be done with it. It's not a game that I would play forever. I don't think many games are. But what I wanted to ask you is about how you've got on with the genre in the past and other games in the roguelike genre, because we haven't done the genre thing yet.
1: No, we haven't. And one of the reasons I was going to ask you about it right at the beginning is because roguelike, in general, is a term that I don't find very descriptive or useful. And when I started to research why this game was considered roguelike, it seemed like a lot of people started being like, oh, it's not really roguelike. It's more roguelike. Light, light, But then yeah. roguelite, is just, a sh- that's just like basically a way of saying it's not really anything like this genre, except it's got this one thing that it does the same, which in this instance is procedurally generated dungeon crawling, basically, isn't it?
0: Yeah, with permadeath. I guess roguelike. But it's not really permadeath, though, either, is it? Mm, yeah, maybe not. I guess the roguelike is like no persistent progression, and roguelite is permadeath with persistent progression.
1: But roguelike is also usually turn-based, right? Is
0: it? I lit it up because I
1: just didn't find it a very useful term, and I was kind of curious about what were the defining factors. Mm. And as I was reading it, I was thinking, whoa, most of these do not apply to this game. Interesting. I was a bit intrigued by that. But yeah, anyway, you asked me what my experience of the genre is. Very little. Can you throw some games at me that I might have played that would be along these lines? Because while I was playing this, I couldn't really think of any other than Hollow Knight.
0: Yeah. Which <laughs> which, which isn't. isn't. Yeah. Which isn't. It's generated, obviously. Yeah, I mean, the one that comes to mind for me, or well, the two, I suppose. I think they made both the same people. Faster Than Light. Which I don't think you ever played. No, heard of it, but haven't played. Uh, I love that game. Like I, I think I spent sixty or seventy hours in it. Why? And Into the Breach. Also rings a bell, but haven't played it. Those are the two. I think I do actually really like this genre of games. So, going back to the Walson comparison, because I didn't like Walson.
1: Well, interestingly, Diablo is often considered a roguelite.
0: But the loop is very long. Like, to complete the entire game will take hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, presumably. Like, you're on your second or third playthrough of Walson, weren't you? Yeah. And you could sort of consider that to be a run of Hades, but, like, writ large or long, I guess. Mm. Whereas with the kind of games I'm talking about, the cycle is very small but you maybe get less of a feeling of progression or... I find
1: that the shorter cycle makes it feel a little bit more like Groundhog Day. Mm. Or to use a more contemporaneous parallel, that film with Adam Sandberg, Andy Sandberg, Palm Springs. Have you seen that? Did you conflate his name with Adam Sandler? (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like it did, yeah. That'd be an interesting union. I haven't seen the
0: film. You get one more sentence.
1: Okay. Even though I pretend not to be... I've realized that I am completely codependent, but I'm cool with it because I think that life should be shared now, and I need you to survive.
0: Okay. That's your one sentence.
1: I I need you to survive, comma, but it's so much more than that, uh, colon. <laughs> I know you better than anyone knows you, and remember that night when we saw the dinosaurs. You said it yourself, in order to really know a person you have to see the entire package, the good and the bad and I've seen your package and it is excellent, Sarah. Ampersand, you're my favourite person that I've ever met. And yes, I know that it's crazy odds that the person I like the most in my entire life would be someone I met while I was stuck in a time loop, but you know what else is crazy odds? Getting stuck in a time loop! It's good fun, I'd recommend it, but it's the classic, you know, you start the day, then whatever happens, in this case, you die, and then you start the day again. Mm. And each time it's slightly different, and you're kind of improving. Mm. It's like a roguelike in film format. And I think the really short turnarounds of that, like a day in the film, or in this, just, you know, a few dungeons or a few chambers, as it were. What do they call them in this? Chambers? Encounters, isn't it? Yeah. And then you just start over. Is maybe just a bit too short for me. I feel like I've seen it and done it too quickly uh, yeah it does
0: it for me another one darkest dungeon did you ever play that no mm.
1: no i think we found a we found a hole in my gaming experience here
0: so yeah i guess i'm really into the, the genre so it's unsurprising that one done as well as this really caught my imagination yeah
1: i mean you're a big fan of super giant games anyway though aren't you oh i
0: am yeah we haven't even talked about their other games you could call me a super fan of super giant <laughs> oh, no. i never would do that because it's cheesy as fuck <laughs> i tell you what it feels like with Supergiant Games. You know when you discover a music artist and when they've only had one album released or they've just released their first album and you feel like you're growing with them nice. as they release each subsequent album. It's exactly the same with Supergiant Games because I played Bastion just after it came out, loved it. And then I was like waiting for the next, the second album, Transistor. Loved that as well. Yeah. Pyre, interesting. And I haven't really played another game like it. It was sort of like sports... Ball game, kind of, isn't it? I don't know that's a terrible description.
1: When the stars align, the rights shall come to bear.
0: But, like, you, you control a team of three in a game of 3v3, kind of pyre, it's called, where you have to get the ball and put it in the thing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I haven't played Pyre, but I've played the first two. Oh, I thought you had. Yeah, I thought I had as well, up until you just described it, and then
0: either that description was so bad, bad, (laughs) or I actually haven't. You have played it, I just described it really badly. But you are definitely controlling a team of three. Yeah, because I was thinking, I'm pretty sure I've played all of Super Giants games,
1: and then when you started describing that, I was like,
0: shit, maybe I haven't. Well, there's so much of Pyre in this. Like, in Pyre, one of the hooks is that you have this wagon of players, and the more you use your players in the game the more of their story you unlock and just like this like you reach the end and then you come back in and play it again and find out more about them so yeah was bastion a (laughs) roguelike no because it was just a linear story wasn't it like with levels and got to the end.
1: Yeah, so there was no procedural generation, is that what you mean?
0: I don't think there was any procedural generation. Yeah. Or permadeath. Or permadeath. It was just like normal game where you can save it.
1: Yeah, because I remember loving Bastion, but this is the same thing with Transistor as well. Like I remember really enjoying them, but I don't really remember anything else about the games. I'm not sure whether that's just because it was a long time ago, or because they weren't very memorable.
0: I just think they're fun to play, and we haven't mentioned it, but the art style, there's so much love into the art in this game yeah it is very distinctive so much love and you play some role-playing games sometimes and you know this is a pet hate of mine where you maybe get an item which you describe as like trash like you're just going to sell it to a vendor i'm gonna beef on dragon age 2 again now dragon age 2 when you got an item which was trash in inverted commas and you just sell to the vendor The symbol for that was literally a trash can. Even if it was like a stone or like a feather or something, they just had the symbol as a trash can. And it's like, there's no love there. (laughs) Like This isn't world building, (laughs) what is this?
1: Well, I would argue that that's the game designers tacitly acknowledging that this is a trash mechanic and they're just going with it because it's happens
0: in the genre. Well, a generous meta interpretation there. (laughs) I'd say they ran out of money and time. You've got a real chip on your shoulder, you know. I've got a big blade on my shoulder, Meiji.
1: Right. Wonder what you're compensating for. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was that. Maybe it was that. I definitely think you do get points in a game for love, that's true. And for originality, mm. and I would give this game, you know, it's definitely original, it's definitely novel. It's unlike, as we've established, other things I've played before. <laughs> and not just in games, like, to digress a tiny bit, like, I watched a show at the minute called Patriot, about this spy who goes undercover as a piping engineer in like a like a plumber no, no like piping like um should get liquids along a pipe kind uh-huh. of thing he makes the pipes okay but he's not actually making them he's more like on the sales team but anyway it's kind of crap but it's so original that it wins me over mm. anyway and i kind of enjoy it can i talk to you about something i need this job because i have to work in accredited construction overseas to go places Americans aren't supposed to. I'm not going to pass this urine test. So I need yours. It's not just me. The country. The USA needs my pee. Yeah. Will you in my cup? And just before that, I watched another one called Be Foreigners, which is like an HBO Nordic, didn't even know that was a thing until I watched this, but HBO Nordic series. And it's about, like, people come from the Viking era just suddenly land in contemporary Britain and not just the Viking uh, sorry contemporary Denmark I Mm -hmm. think it is or Copenhagen or whatever but it's not just Viking era it's like loads of other ones and again it's kind of whack if it was about anything else I wouldn't put up with it but it's so sort of novel and original and like you say it's clearly been made with love and there's this tongue in cheekness to it and it makes it work and I think a lot of the things that I've listed that annoyed me about this game in a lesser game would have been deal breakers i'd have been like i'm not gonna play this it's just this is just too annoying it's a waste of time it's like a mobile phone game in a lot of ways Mm. but because of all those things we've just complimented like you know i did really enjoy it and if we weren't rushing on to the next game for the next podcast i probably would play it for a little bit longer kind of thing oh i'm glad so i don't want to imply that i disliked it or hated it i just thought in the great pantheon of games <laughs> nice. this isn't one of those that i would sort of rave about yeah yeah
0: i did actually think that this genre was not particularly for you because i half knew that you hadn't played some of the classic ones like faster than light and i think maybe in the past i tried to convince you to and you were a bit like eh, kind of permadeath not really for me sort of like collectible card games is that what you mean? Yeah. well i'll say that because that is that's actually the other game it reminded me of was slay the spire but instead of cards, I've got abilities. Mm. Fighting abilities. <laughs> anyway, yeah. That is a, another conversation for another time.
1: There are a couple of other mechanics we didn't mention, actually.
0: Caron's shop, where you can buy upgrades. Did we talk about that? No, we didn't. I mean, these are mechanics, but I don't know how whether they are. It's just one of the many sort of addictive strands of the game. It's like, oh, should I go for money this time? Or should I go for health this time? To be honest, it's chock of those strands like there's um nectar you can pick up which you can gift to characters in the game which gives you rewards and it's kind of unclear how many rewards they give you although you are advised to not give anyone more than one nectar but because i loved achilles i gave everyone one but then i was like right i'm gonna focus on achilles ended up giving achilles like eight nectar or something didn't get them more
1: (laughs) oh but that's just unlucky because achilles doesn't give you upgrade but there are four or five characters who you can keep giving nectar to, I think you have to give them four or five more nectar, and then they get to a thing where they say they're kind of fed up of nectar, and instead you give mm. them an ambrosia, and then it gives you a like, special item. Oh. I didn't actually get that far, but I looked up what the hell you do with ambrosia, because I couldn't see any function.
0: I had away. ambrosia coming out of my bloody ass. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> you? Well, you go through it enough. did I looked at me. <laughs> terrible, sorry. Don't know why I said that as well. So crass. But yeah, like, when I was talking about the strands, it's the loot box thing which you're talking about. Like, there's so many collectibles, like, items to trade. There's a little shop where you can exchange one item for another. So there is a sort of very light management aspect to each run, like, in terms of your resources and your materials. Yeah. Which kind of adds to the sense of progression and the addictiveness of it.
1: Yeah, and sometimes you feel like maybe you have to choose between the gods. Oh, yeah, that's nice. So, like, you might enter a chamber where there are two boons available for you to select from. And if you choose Ares, for instance, instead of Zeus, then Zeus is like, oh, well, I'm going to throw lightning bolts at you for the entire duration of this next battle. But if you win the battle, then Zeus is like, that was pretty cool, you survived it. I'm impressed, here you go, you can still have the boon. So you get like a two for
0: one. Um, And those moments are quite nice, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. The variety of the rooms, like you said one room bled into the other and it's fair like the enemies do get a bit repetitive after a while but little things like that helped to keep it fresh enough that i wanted to carry on going and we've already talked about the art style but visually each level is very very distinct once you battle through the second area which is like fiery lava pit to get to elysium which is kind of like lush green, verdant area, you do actually feel like, oh, thank God, I'm out of that fiery place again, and into this nice... Yeah, the fiery place. I
1: hate that kind of aesthetic. Everything just red. Mm. Well, to be honest, that's pretty much all I had to say on it, massively, because I didn't have any major comparisons to make or any kind of, I don't know, shining insights into it. I guess I just don't have the patience that I once did. Like, I remember playing Super Mario back in in the day on Game Boy, and that's, alright, it's not roguelite in a sense it's not procedural, <laughs> and it's not a dungeon, it's not turn-based, and in many other ways <laughs> it's not roguelite. But it's a uh, permadeath, which is why I raise it, and that's pretty brutal. Like, you could play that
0: for hours and then die. Are you talking about Mario All-Stars or whatever?
1: I'm talking about the very first Super Mario.
0: Yeah, like t- the 2D one where you've got five lives. Yeah, you run out lives back on back the black tier. and white. Right, okay. Exactly, back on the black and white game boy yeah yeah. pre game boy color i I remember playing that on my um my super nintendo
1: loved it and maybe that was novelty but i certainly had the patience to play that back in the day Mm. but i feel like i don't know i do anymore Mm. i'm kind of like all right i've seen it give me a save point so i can start from here and i actually thought that this game was going to do that because i didn't know much about the genre i thought that once you completed an area maybe it would be like oh here's a load point and you can start from here the next time or something like that but
0: alas, it not to be. What I would say is that that's the great thing about this podcast is that we get to play a game, sample how good it is, feel good about ourselves for playing it and talking about it and then move on to the next one.
1: Yeah. And then we can gather our party. Venture, and venture forth, forth into Pillars of Eternity yeah. 2. Deadfire. Yes. I'm really looking forward to this. Have I got the name right? I think so. Yeah as i was saying that i was like i'm gonna say this slowly but with confidence in case i've got it wrong
0: yeah i've been looking forward to playing it for a while it's a big time commitment that's why i haven't mm, massive so time up. commitment but, uh yeah hopefully be disciplined over the next three weeks i think if you asked anyone to complete this game in three weeks who also had a normal job like we both do now they would say you're mad, but we'll see how we get on. Yeah, I've been, I have been getting up really early in the mornings to try
1: and squeeze in a couple of hours before the day starts, which is quite cool. Oh, good effort. It's a good incentive to get up in the morning. Nothing else has ever worked. So <laughs> maybe I'm onto something here. Maybe this is what games are good for. You
0: used to watch a film every morning, didn't
1: you? I did, yeah. That was when I was going through my era of uh, aiming to get up at five a.m. every morning. I basically read. This is stupid, I know, but I read that Hemingway got up <laughs> at five, went for a stroll along the beach or something, and then while he was still in sleeping mode, would start writing, and he found it really productive. And I thought oh, maybe I'll give
0: that a whirl. I think he was just delirious to be honest I think he was as well and if you're going to base yourself on on someone better not make it someone that shot themselves to death yeah true enough I suppose but he did get a lot done
1: as well he did he did get a lot done (laughs) Um, anyway we'll uh, save the chat about Pillars of Eternity for next time Yeah. but I do really want to tell everyone that I was a backer of the very first game and therefore in some ways I feel entitled to this next game (laughs) So was I, weren't we all? <laughs> well that's it. See you later. Thanks for listening.
0: Nice. That was definitely a one-hit wonder, I reckon. Yeah, for sure. All about the one-hit wonders on those intros, I reckon. Oh, yes.